Welcome to Pixels and Puppets, the Operation Puppet Podcast, the only podcast to combine the subjects of gaming, tech, media, and puppets for no easily explainable reason. March 1st, 2024, you are the internet, I am Kevin Blades, my pronouns are he, him, and this is episode 4 of season 2 of Pixels and Puppets, the Operation Puppet Podcast. Joining me are my co-hosts, his pronouns are he, him, it's Jamie, aka Scumboy. Hello. And his pronouns are he, him, it's Andrew, aka Bat Phantom. It's me. It was, it, it, it was the busy weekend. So we are recording this remotely, in case the audio sounds a bit different. But hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it doesn't sound that different. I mean, we all, you know, we all got good mics. We got mm-hmm. good stuff, and we got. I'm in Tokyo. Yeah, are you? That would be great. We should do that at some point. We should just like utilize the power of the internet and go to different um, places. I'll be in Anaheim in August. All right, here we go. <laughs> We're definitely recording a podcast in August. At some point with Jamie and Anaheim. You've already, you've committed nice. now. It's already Now done. I'm committed. <sighs> so bring a good mic. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. pack that. <laughs> yeah. It might carry on. Exactly. What is this, sir? Um, it's, a, it's a Go XLR. It's a, uh, a road podcasting arm with a... <laughs> yes, it's shaped like a 9mm weapon, but it's not actually a 9mm weapon. <laughs> it's shaped like a shoe. Everyone loves shoe. So how y'all, y'all? Doing good. It was a busy week, but um, a good one. I'm how doing you, Andrew. Bad. Oh, that's good. <laughs> good, to good to hear. Fundamentally bad. That is bad. Not bad. Like, like full bore social panic. Ah! <laughs> it's 2024. You yep. just described everybody. Yeah, no, you're just you're just catching up to the rest of us. <laughs> I can't even bitch about it because everybody's in the same boat. That's it, boy. I mean, the the news once we get there sure reflects that. I gotta stop reading the news. You know, yeah, that that helps. Are you still doing it on on the not Twitter? Because Sometimes that's probably contributing <laughs> to, to, to your mental health issues. Well, as I've said, I have a very curated timeline, and it's full of people that are very. I'm sure there's no algorithm fucking with it at all. I'm sure, no, not I'm really. sure there's it's, no it's, negativity always, bias happening. Just every third post follow. is to Elon, but he follows Elon, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you see about him suing OpenAI? Yeah, I, yeah. I saw it was happening. I didn't didn't bother reading why. So The Verge has a, has a pretty good uh, story on that, and it's hilarious. Like, this is the teardown of... He's just... He's just like hallucinating at this point <laughs> he's, just, he's, just, he's just having like weird fever dreams in public all the time now that's what he is now and he just happens to be the world's richest man too so he can get away with it elon and all ais they just keep hallucinating <laughs> you know that's his his point is always so what the thing of the verge is talking about is how like he's claiming the existence of a contract that doesn't exist oh that never existed <laughs> it was a mental contract that he made with them, you're not, and you're he doesn't have wrong. to explain it. <laughs> like that's actually what it if is. If this goes to courts, this could be groundbreaking. <laughs> I thought of this before you incorporated it, so therefore <laughs> I own the rights to it. I, Give I, me 
control. I call spiritual dibs. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to come dibs. up with this sooner or later, so you guys can't own it. It's the, all mine. The hilarious thing is the gist of it is him suing them because they breached a contract that was they are, in fact, a, non, a non-profit open source thing that is ending up being for profit and just there to make money. And he's got a real problem with that. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's the the true wow. arbiter of, of the public good. That's for sure. Yeah, it, no one Elon, is more central and balanced than <laughs> Elon. He, he has the public best interest at Always. heart. He does not the public, the world. Mm. If not, not the world, the con- uni- the universe. The, what is the light of consciousness? Wasn't that his phrase? I have to say maintainer of the light of consciousness or something stupid. What if his end goal is to get Elon Musk off this planet? He really does have the best interests of humanity at heart. (laughs) I mean, I would the one thing he does I would support would be that. Yes, just go. No one can fix it except me. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll take a not break. At that, and then come back with the puppet pit. You have entered an alternate dimension, a dimension of fleece and fur, of foam and industrial adhesives. So I hope you have good ventilation. A signpost up ahead. Watch your step. You have just stumbled into the Puppet Pit. Welcome to the Puppet Pit, where we talk about the puppet side of Operation Puppet for the last two weeks. And it's going to be kind of a short one because there hasn't been a lot. However, I mean, (laughs) I saw the pictures of all the fur on the floor. There's been quite a bit. There was fur on the floor. There was fur encasing me. (laughs) <laughs> there was just so much fur, but... Fur on the gum. The reason, of course, as we have mentioned a couple of times before, is that February was dental hell month. There was literally not a week in February that I wasn't at the dentist. February's done. It's over. Yes. I got through it. Legally I, speaking, yeah. I survived. It's it's no longer February, and I don't actually have to do any more dental stuff till at least April. Wow, a stay of execution. I got a whole month of, like, not dental stuff, so that's good. (sighs) Don't sell yourself short, though. There was dental hell and you were boning sacks. (laughs) You know, as we established in the previous episode, Mm -hmm. yes, there was lots of hooping and boning. Yes, But the hooping and boning are done, and I have received permission to talk about exactly what it was for, so... Long time ago, uh, Operation Puppet family member Sullivan the Monster on TikTok um, has been going for quite a while. And Sullivan, two, it was time for Sullivan 2.0 because Sullivan's owner wanted the sack puppet version of Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And he actually contacted me about this long time ago. And it was just all of the stars aligned to be now was the time that I had the time to do it. So we did it. And Sullivan... 2.0 literally shipped out today as we were are recording this 
Uh, Sullivan is done. All the pictures are there. Pictures are on the Discord and on the socials. But it's, if you join uh, the Discord, you get to see a puppet encased in bubble wrap in a very uh, it's true. Twin Peaksy way. <laughs> Those are the ones that there are pictures I only post on the Discord that don't get posted to the socials because they're a little grim. And one, <laughs> one of them is like, this is what it looks like when a puppet ships for real, and it's you know them in the box in bubble wrap, and then always looks a bit. A bit Your wife nailed it and said it, it looked like Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks. Yeah, exactly. So, so Wait, were his eyes closed? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Which, Which made worse. it worse. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just there's semi-translucent bubble wrap over it, right? So yeah, it's real. You gotta you gotta you gotta join the Discord. That's that's it's also the, with the mouth hanging open. It is. Always, that what I said. Yeah. No well, there is a way to close it, but it would be a bad idea. Uh, so I don't. And uh, yeah. Now, the funny thing is because this is the advantage of sack puppets. I love saying sack puppets. I got to admit, there's just there's, every time there's a joke that almost wants to happen and then never quite succeeds in happening. Let me let me guess what the good thing about sack puppets. Yeah, <laughs> please do. They are incredibly easy to ship. Yes. And the reason, because there's no arm rods. Well, there's no, and there's nothing. No That's real the structure. Yeah. The only structure inside them, uh, for in the case of Sullivan, is the skull. Right, the head yes. is the only part that's actually got anything in there. The body, there's a there's a, a tube with the hooping and the boning, but that mm-hmm. collapses down. It's like an accordion. It just you know folds right down. So there's nothing. There's nothing. And it's, it's so funny to see him in the box, and it looks like there should be way more box. Yes, <laughs> but there isn't because it's just a big old bag of fur, right? So it's it's great. I can see arm rods being really really problematic to fit in boxes. That's sometimes. the reason why my minimum like for any puppet I ship that's got an arm rod situation because arm rods are are on the average about eighteen inches long, right? Mm-hmm. So the box has to be a minimum of eighteen inches because that's just doesn't matter how big the puppet is if the armor is 18 inches the box has got to be 18 inches so that's absolutely and that is a shipping concern that's one of the reasons why i came up with the sonk puppets that don't have arms <laughs> so they don't need arm rods i could get a sonk puppet into an eight by eight box like a little tiny thing whereas smalls must be pretty easy to ship too uh, yeah, smalls are, again, another reason that I did the smalls the way I did them is because there's no arm rods, because there's no structure in the arms, they just flop around, so yep. yeah, their their boxes are quite, so, so shipping on a small and a sonk is much better than shipping on anything with an arm rod, because they all need smaller boxes, and that is a, an is a concern. Well, I did, I, I, it, for sonk puppets, that would not necessarily be impossible. It would probably be a bad idea because the eyes are still a solid object, maybe in a bubble wrap mailer or something, but I would still oh, yeah, risk yeah. it. You know. Sack's the puppet. Um, so sack <laughs> puppets aren't, aren't going into the regular rotation? Um, sack puppets are, in fact, doing the regular rotation. The very next oh. thing I'm doing is another sack puppet, it turns out. Nice. I'm doing another commission. And then, so I, I haven't received permission to, to talk about exactly what this is, but I pro, I'm sure That's the, fine. the person on the Discord who I'm doing this for will say yes. Um, I I might be able to squeeze in a build stream this week. It's possible. I would like to do one because I haven't. I have had a couple people say, "Hey, when are you streaming again?" So it's like, okay, well, I should probably at least put in an appearance and poke my head out of the sand and say, "Hey, I'm I still exist and am relevant in some way." 
Um, but uh, after I get through this commission, which is another sack puppet, which is hilarious because the, the uh, Sullivan 2.0 was the very first sack puppet I did. And it turned out so good that I'm like, mm, actually, this was quite good and fun in a weird way. So, okay, we'll do more. Um, the next one is going to be a sack puppet as well. And then after I'm done that commission, we go into the Skunk Works and we do the super secret project that I definitely cannot talk about yet. I will ask uh, the client if I can talk about it on the Discord. So mm-hmm. there, yet another reason to join the Discord is you will hopefully be able to see some some pics that nobody else sees before they get fingers released. crossed. So, so that's that's what's happening. I hope by the end of the month. This is March. This is March, right? Tell me it's March. Yes, it is March 1st. <laughs> March 1st, right. I. What is time? Uh, Hopefully, sources tell me we should beware the Ides of March. I mean, uh, other I, than that, we're golden. I'm always wary of the Ides of March. That's actually my favorite Shakespeare play. You know that? Julius Caesar. Theoretically, is, is my favorite at the Shakespeare. beginning of this podcast, you said it was it's March 1st, 2024. I hope I did. I, hope I, wasn't <laughs> I was just reading. I just, I always, I always write the intro because I'm going to flub it if I don't. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping I will be done all of the skunk work stuff by the end of the month and mm-hmm. we'll be able to get back to our regular scheduled build streams and, and stuff and, and everything uh, like that. So how's the store looking right now? There's three puppets <laughs> on this store. Okay. Like, I did actually put up a note on both Etsy and the direct shop to sort of say, hey, I know there's not much here. I'm doing commissions. Don't worry. There will be more eventually. So so that's that's where I am with that. And one thing I'm, I'm thinking about, <clears throat> although I haven't come to any conclusions yet, is that I may, I may be bringing back the Frankie Play streams. Um, just literally okay. just for something to get out there and like create, you know, content, capital C, hashtag. um, so I'm not sure what that is going to look like yet. The fact that like, I, I'm always hesitant to do the Frankie play stuff just because it's the sort of the least viewed stuff that I do, but I also really enjoy it. And so even if it only gets one or two views, that's still fine because they're fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I haven't done any Frankie play with the owncast server yet, and that would be mm. the mix this time. So that might change the rules a little bit. We may actually get some more people in owncast. So I have no idea. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll see. I'll figure it out when the time comes. But that's that's kind of it for where I am with the puppet pit. Now, that's that's very busy is good. Busy is good. Um because I will be in the middle of the top secret project by the time the next podcast is scheduled to be recorded, um obviously I won't be able to talk about build stuff, but I do have something planned that we can talk about in the puppet pit for the next podcast. So so fear not, we just won't be talking about build stuff because I can't. <laughs> so that's that's fair. That's where we are. With that, all right. Um, that's a lot of me talking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch it up now. We're gonna take an actual break, and we will be back with Gizmo Town. The sky above the port was the color of a YouTube video hit with a copyright takedown. 
Around the rainy streets, people huddled with neon umbrellas and impractical goggles. Here we fight the corporate arcologies and get excited about phones. Welcome to the mean streets of Gizmo Town. The first item on the agenda is very theme appropriate. It's, that's why we, <laughs> we don't. I realize we don't have a section of the podcast where we can just talk about like entertainment media, like movies and, yeah, and stuff like that. We probably probably it, should do. It that. usually ends up in the first chunk, just because that's I, true. I just blurt it out. But uh, but in, in this case, it it fits for Gizmo. It, Town, it does so. actually mm-hmm. fit. So thematically, uh, was Apple TV has Apple TV yes. announced they have commissioned what is it, like a ten episode. Yes. Um, adaptation of William Gibson's Neuromancer. It only took 40 years. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's weird. Huh? It's been in some kind of weird development hell. Like, Well, I think so many people have taken a shot at it. And I really thought that Vincenzo Natale was going to Vin- be the one to take it home. He spent, I think, two months on Twitter releasing all the concept art for that they had done for Neuromancer in yeah. like 2010. Yeah, usually, and it was all beautiful. Yeah, at that point, they've, they've given up when they share, share this concept art. But <laughs> it's, like just, had, it's baffling how, how it didn't get picked up then. But They had gotten to the point where they were starting doing renders the Marcus Garvey and stuff like that. Like they had done a lot of previs for this. I have a memory of a promo, a piece of promo art that was like somebody's index finger with like a quarter inch audio jack in it. Does anybody remember that? Was that for the game though? I I have no idea what it was for. I just remember that it was associated with the word neuromancer and some non-book production. I have no idea what it was. There's been a lot of of, uh, fan material, which looks legit in many cases, right? But but this is official and it's, it's, it's in pre-production and should be shooting soon. So they haven't announced any casting yet, but, um, it's still it's a big deal, you know. It's it's a it's a seminal piece of work, and it'll be interesting to see them try to adapt it. I mean, I think a ten episode series works. I mean, it gives it a lot more room to breathe, yeah, as opposed sure. to jamming up jamming a novel. And it's it's a tight novel, but it's I think it'll it'll be better served. Hopefully, it won't feel like they're dragging it out because this is where we are now. You you take a novel, you you think maybe five hours would be the best to adapt these things, and now they want to make ten episodes, and you know whatever whatever the material requires to tell the tale. But um, and just the the fact that the world that he created in the eighties. You know, we've we've leapfrogged it in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. So, do you make it like a period piece, almost like a retro future thing, or do you just take the name and 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 just transpose the the future elements to to the future from now and where we'll be in thirty years, fifty years? You know, it's a lot of possibilities. But one of the writers, the main writer for it, uh, wrote a bunch of Fringe, which was a which was oh, a really yeah. solid sci fi show before Akiva fucking Goldsman got his hands on it. Uh, and he Roy, he was in it in the in the good period. So, uh, and I'm hopeful. I'm I'm hopeful that it's going to turn out to be good. I'm not, you know, I'm not married to it. If it turns out to be dog shit, so be it. We've still got the book. You know, it was just another well, yeah, missed that's, opportunity. That's exactly, and it's like it's hard to it's hard to picture how they're going to adapt Neuromancer because Neuromancer is like it's such a, a product a of its time, and mm-hmm. like it's. It, our our memory of what Neuromancer is isn't exactly what Neuromancer actually is. When you read the book, it's like yeah. everybody thinks about, you know, going into cyberspace like, oh, they're putting on a VR headset 
or something, right? Yeah. But it, that's in the book. That's not what it is. They're literally putting electrodes. Like they're just. It, it's not. He talks about the trodes as the. It's, as the it's a net cap. of sensors that goes on your head. Yeah, it's, it's no, a, nothing invasive. They're it's, hallucinating. It, like that's what yeah. it is. It's it's a it's a shared computer generated hallucination. It isn't it, VR. <laughs> it stimulates your brain directly. Yeah, it's a, it's a dream state. Basically, I found that right? poster. I put it in the, uh, oh. the chat for the, right. the the room. It was from ComingSoon.net, if that dates how old it's, uh, <laughs> it is. Remember <laughs> ComingSoon.net? Yep, that's, that's, that's it. That's the one. Uh, um, Jack and Soon. Yep, that's a quarter of I can't of find any other reference. information for it right now <laughs> on a quick search, but that's it. I think we've uh, got the a, show art, though. <laughs> it's rife with... Um, you know, that's like I said. That's a uh, that's a piece that people have been inspired by for decades. And I think you know, it was you, uh, Andrew, who mentioned like what a what an opportune time because this the Apple Vision Pro just released, and suddenly they were funding Neuromancer. Right? It's yeah. like hmm, yeah, really it's coincidence. <laughs> what if what if the case goes into cyberspace by putting on an Apple Vision Pro? <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> um, have they announced any any people playing no. in it? No, no cast has been announced yet. So, um, I always I'm, thought my dream casting. When we talk about what I mean, with the podcast, we might as well talk about this guy's shit. Um, if we're talking dream casting, I always wanted um, what Riz Ahmed. Um, oh yeah, him as Case. I wanted. Yeah, him, that, I wanted to see him as Case. Perfect. That would be great. Great because Case is like a recovering addict, right? He'd be real good yeah. in that. Jamie, From, Jamie would be good. I, that my internal casting has always been me as case because I spent yeah. my late teens through twenties just wishing I was case from Neuromancer. Sure, yeah. that or Kevin Flynn. I mean, I, I have I have a lot of personal image issues, um, but <laughs> it's I would love to be excited about it. But the last one I got excited about was Vincenzo Natale's because yeah. he's got such a unique uh, expression. And it would have been just interesting. But yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if Apple TV is going to bring. I'll, I'll, Foundation's been really good so far. So I think they've, they've proven their bona fides when it comes to sci-fi. And, uh, and, they've, and Severance was also a big production. Surprisingly, so I, they're they, relatively hands-off. They basically yeah. just give money and say make a thing. And they make it good. put it out. Like that's. They don't really would, interfere. They didn't do the peripheral. I, I, Amazon no, TV Amazon. did the peripheral. And and it went really gory right off the bat and turned right. me right off, uh, yeah. which was unfortunate. I mean, Apple uh, TV funded, the. if we're going to wrap this around the puppet thing, Apple TV has got the, the new Fraggle Rock series is Apple TV. So, and, that's and, and true. They, they just let them do their thing. They just let them go. So and, uh, I yeah. guess it depends on the showrunners. See, yeah. see if they can... Uh, yeah, as I say, I, I have I have high high hopes for it, and you know, Mr. Gibson himself has said that he's he's happy with it so far, and you know he's not going to be deeply involved, but he's involved, so they're, he's he's available to them if should they need his input. But I don't think he's he himself is going to be on set or anything like that. It's oh, simply, yeah. I'm sure hey, there's going to be some publicity still or something within there, right? Hanging out with Case and Molly, right? So so we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be super interesting. Okay, uh, moving on. The deck nook. We actually have a nook uh, of sorts because apparently JB got a new toy. And he's holding I it picked, up to the screen that nobody can see. I picked up an Ain Odin. 
Um, the it's got lights. There's lights on it, that. It's only half the lights. The, th- the thumbsticks also light up, but since it's a transparent <laughs> color, the thumbsticks bleed through really bad. But gotcha. I like the side lights. Yeah, those are that's very true. Um, it's got really nice ergonomics, like full on Xbox grip um, ergonomics, which you don't usually get in the smallish handhelds. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very Steam Decky. It's it's very like mini Steam Decky. Yeah. Um, the te- the texture of the plastic itself is really good. So this is the Anoden Two. I got it in the transparent blue, which I really enjoy. Um, it's a Snapdragon Two Gen Two, so it's one one processor older than Andrew's new phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So it's, act- it's a very powerful. It's 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 got a legit. Uh, a legit amount of beef to it. It's uh, actively cooled, which is nice, and the fan is fairly quiet. It's quieter than the Steam Deck, but it's also not cooling as much as the Steam Deck. It's basically the sock, and that's it. It's just yeah. on a chip. Um, the controls are nice and tight. Like the 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 thumbsticks are well positioned, and they've got a good amount of snap to them. It's just been really fun to play. Uh, and it's more than Android, right? Yes, Android. Uh, more than powerful enough to do Nintendo Switch, uh, PlayStation 2. It plays Burnout games on the, for the PlayStation 2, uh, like 60 frames a second, like without struggling. It's amazing. Nice. Um, it's just such a good feel. I, I went from the little Ambernick that was, it's basically the Ambernick, the entire Ambernick is the size of this screen. Sure. So the, the, the controls, the thing and everything, and there was no grip to it. So it was very hard to play. And the, the small screen was very hard to actually see if I was going to play anything for any length of time. But it, it, it plays like this is the intro to Bellatro. Um, 60 frames a second. It's it's fantastic. Okay. So how are you playing Bellatro on that? Are you, do you have Steam on there? The Switch version. Oh, okay. Gotcha. It's, right. it's emulating the Switch version of it. Sure. Um, that's a whole so subject. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, uh, it's coming up, but it's, it, it's just so good. It's got so much power and it doesn't, it, it's way lighter than a steam deck. So it's just, I can pop in my bag. It's very easy to go and travel with. Sure. The steam deck is great for sitting on the couch or if I'm going to some place for like two weeks. Yeah. Because then I've got all my PC games. I've got all everything. This is great. If I'm, go- if I'm going someplace for a weekend or a week and I just want to be able to break it out play some stuff and then put it away Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really really well made like AIN has done AYN it stands for all you need but it they've done a lot of work on the ergonomics for this and the feel of the plastics right Um, how long was it between ordering and receiving so I unfortunately ordered it in the midst of Chinese New Year, which meant they were giving out a $10 discount because they weren't going to be delivering it right away. Um, but once they came back, it shipped. I would say they, they they opened on the 19th of February. They shipped it the 21st, and I got it the 26th. So it, it took three oh, days. To, it shipped on the 22nd. It took three days to get here, and I had it on the 26th. So, so they've caught up, obviously. Yeah, they're 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 so the max one. So I've got the pro. So there's the um, the the bottom tier, like just the the Odin two, the Odin two Pro, and the Odin two Max. The Max, I think they're still getting manufactured. 
So they're they're taking another week before they go out, but apparently they had a fair amount of stock of the Pro, so the Pro went out pretty quickly. And the only difference between them, they're all the same processor, it's just the RAM and the amount of internal storage, which right. doesn't matter if you're throwing a uh, 512 or a terabyte SD card into it. But that's the difference between buying a finished product and jumping on their Indiegogo. Yes. In this um, case, it was like, I think I'll have that. So a lot of people are talking about the Ioneo um, Pocket 2, which is their new Android uh, one that isn't out yet. And they haven't even announced pricing. They're not going to get the pricing until April. And it's probably going to be more expensive than this. And also you won't get it until 2025 yeah. because wow. they take forever to spin up. Ioneo is kings of taking a ton of money in right away from the Indiegogo. And then taking six months to finish their engineering samples. Yeah. And then you know, ship. you know, it's going to take a while if you're on the Indiegogo and it's, yeah. you know, the fact that they haven't even announced pricing on it is a little terrifying, but how, they, what, what could it do that this one can't? It's using a slightly different, uh, system on chip that has a more, it's supposed to be able to put out a higher, um, what is the term for it? It, it, it goes up to a higher voltage. Uh, uh, so it can it can slightly it might outperform this in certain high end emulators, but it's, it's not. Into a wall. Yeah, that's the other problem. But it it's also doesn't really have a grip. They're going to sell a grip case for it, but what's the point of having a grip case if your Is base it unit Android isn't? Again? Yeah, it'll be an Android one. What the hell? That doesn't make much sense. Um, anyway, I mean, you know, it's, it's this more, one is more is a really good position and all the people that make android emulators are kind of aiming for the snapdragon and the snapdragon gen 2 um the 8 gen 2 is is right in that sweet spot for all of them so yeah it good. works really well cool and it, it like the fact that you can get it and it, like I, I i sprung for the dhl which was i think six dollars more than 4px <laughs> oh no but, but everyone's saying they, they ship for they ordered 4px i mean i joined the discord just to, to see what everyone was looking at for shipping uh, it's about ten days with four PX, and it's on average three to four with DHL. Yeah, and you can mine crypto on it. I mean, I guess you could. <laughs> Probably already is. Definitely. Oh God, am I mining crypto? One one Bitcoin every two thousand years. <laughs> so that's what you um, It's a lovely device. It's it's a great step between the Steam Deck and like your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried. I've got a little phone clip that you can put on an xbox controller and use your your controller to play games on your phone yeah it's just not the same and most of my phones i don't buy for gaming performance i buy for you know phone being performance good <laughs> in phone and photos and stuff be a good phone so that's what i want out of you it's nice having this which is basically an android tablet that has controller grafted onto it and a really nice yeah. um processor and like 12 gig of ram which is more than any um any emulator needs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the important thing is what do you want to be able to do with it, right? I mm-hmm. mean, this is what it all comes down to. The Steam Deck is very powerful and it'll play, you know, proper games, whereas, you know, this thing is, is an emulation monster. Basically. But it's great. I've got, like, cha- both Champions of Norath's on it, the uh, X-Men Legends games that were on the PS2, um, both Burnout, Burnout 3 and Revenge, because I remember having a lot of fun. I've had a ton of fun playing Burnout Revenge on this thing. And because um, it's it's Android, you can play Asphalt Nine. 
It, I did install Diablo Immortal, and Diablo Immortal uh, supports controller <laughs> yeah. controls on it. Nice. Have they um, added that to friggin' Genshin Impact yet? I don't think so, but it does have the mapper software from Aya Neo or from, uh, sorry, so, Anoden. So weird. Yeah, I don't know why Genshin Impact hasn't done that. But um, it's just nice because I can play like Champions of Norath and go through an ARPG from the PS2 era, and it's doing it at 1080p. It does a... F- three and a half or two and a half times upscaling on it so it's actually looking really nice i'm a i'm a champions of norath stan i gotta admit yeah that was one of my first arpgs and i uh, yeah i might have installed it so when i if if we had done this in person i'd bring it over and drop champions of norath (laughs) on you and you're like well now i need to buy one of these well you know there's other emulate i'm sure i can emulate i mean i run a linux box i can emulate stuff (laughs) <laughs> you could do it on your Steam Deck as well, but it's not going to be nice and small I'm, I'm and sure. like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's if Maybe you're Frank, looking you should for, play Champions of Norath, huh? I mean, <laughs> legit. I don't know if they have. Um, I mean, I know su- some Super Nintendo games will let you play over the internet for multiplayer games. Right. I don't know if they've done that for like the couch co-op PS2 I would, games. I would doubt it. Although I yeah. do have a memory, this we're, we're dipping into pixels and tokens a little bit here, but whatever. It's our podcast. Um, <laughs> I do have a memory of playing on the PlayStation Two. There was an EverQuest game. I can't even remember what the hell it was called. That used like the adapter that they sold that they you could connect to the internet, and and there was an MMO, an EverQuest themed MMO. For the PlayStation 2, and I fucking played it, and it was bad. It was unbelievably, <laughs> unbelievably bad. And nevertheless, the EverQuest ex- Online Adventures. There you go. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I Little played ahead of the curve. I played that. We'll talk about, yeah. I mean, the fact that it was an MMO you could play with the controller. Mm. Mind blowing, just unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah, no, that was that was. You were you were ahead of the curve because now you want to play everything with I'm the a, controller. I'm a trailblazer. Um, I would just to say if if you're looking for something that isn't as beefy as the Steam Deck, or if you're not looking at those PC gaming targets like the Steam Deck, I can absolutely recommend the Aiden Odin. And several people are making great strides in doing windows emulation on android right there's something called winlater which lets you like you can play fallout 3 on the anoden with winlater nice um and it, it runs at a respectable speed apparently so it's something i haven't really gotten into but like even pc gaming isn't outside the realm of um being done on this uh, the anode. Very nice. We do. I just realized, just remembered, we have one more item in the deck nook. Very oh, important. Super important. Proton, of course. Yes. Uh, so uh, here's the question. I don't know. I know that Proton is kind of forked from wine. Yes. But, it, but it's Valve's specific thing, right? Valve. So it's, it's. Proton takes stuff from the Wine Project, which is a Windows emulator project. Yeah. And it also takes some stuff from Code Weaver's Crossover, which is oh, a right, yeah, gaming yeah. fork of Wine mm-hmm. that the Code Weavers maintains. And Valve does the special sauce in between them that <laughs> really makes it good for gaming on Linux. Like, yeah. it really brings it together. 
Well, after, what is it, seven years, I think, of Proton and Yes, testing, something like that. It got an icon. This week, there's an official Proton icon that exists. Oh, and my God, actually, there is. Th- right? <laughs> it's like you can I see just, it. I just it's, opened up Steam. It's in Steam. You can see it's, it's right there. So there we go. Proton. <laughs> That's the exciting news in the deck nook this week is that Proton a, got an official icon. Hey, I was used to the blank icon that you used to get when you searched for it. Yep. That's nice. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's actually cool. You know, uh, for somebody like me, for the weird freaks like me who actually <sighs> only run Linux, don't run Windows at all, and, and mm-hmm. game under Linux, this is actually kind of important because what it says is Valve is committed <laughs> to, to, to this existing for a while because let me tell you, thanks to Proton... Gaming under Linux is not an issue anymore. It's not even a thing. I don't even have to think about it. It's just it's there. crazy. It just I remember wild. running World of Warcraft under Wine and yeah. having to do three hundred command line switches to get it rendering into anything approaching a uh, decent amount in uh, in Linux in the early two thousands. And yep. it's crazy now that it's just it's trivial. I mean, I, and the fact I, that they're patching it like immediately to make Hell Divers work, to make sure their DRM yeah. passes, like the next day it was updated. They are not fucking around with this. This is no. this is for real. So so it's cool. I mean, I I do I if something new comes out, I do check Proton DB first to see okay where am I going to buy this? Am I going to what platform am I going to buy this on? If it mm-hmm. if it if it's okay under Linux, then I'll buy it on PC. For sure, under Steam, because that will give me the most number of options, right? Because yep. I can play it on my Steam Deck, I can play it on my PC, I can play it through 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 streaming on any screen that I own. So that's that's cool. That's the best possible option. And so far, of anything I've played, I have not encountered a single thing that I can't play under Linux because of Proton. So so thank you, Valve, for Proton. Meanwhile, you fire up Steam on a uh, Mac OS computer and two-thirds of your uh, library is like, we don't even know what this is. Yeah, I don't even try. That's that's not even a thing. I wish it were a thing. There's no reason it can't be a thing. Well, the reason there is because because Apple, that's why. Because Apple. But, like, they made a big thing about the metal uh, system when they announced it, saying this will will kickstart gaming on Mac, and they're still (laughs) not really putting anything into it now, isn't vulcan related to that in some way i have I, I, metal might have been like a fork of vulcan my, for in my mac brain, os metal and vulcan are some in some way tied and like every, this is one of the things you learn to live with gaming on linux is that whenever you fire up a game like at, at least half of the time if not more so you just have to wait for the vulcan shaders to compile because that's what Vulcan shaders do, apparently. Uh, even <laughs> every even open, time, for some reason. Even OpenGL, um, the the shader compilation pipeline, it's apparently it's built into DirectDraw or Direct3D or whatever it is on Windows. Yeah, and that doesn't exist under Linux currently. Yeah. Is my vague understanding you of it. Can and that means it. You can actually like say no cancel on it. Just want to go into the game. You can do it when it happens, but you'll see a lot of jank as shaders pop in. Like you'll yeah. see things that aren't aren't currently correctly shaded. Like I get this when in certain games in Switch emulation. Right. Where it's 
it tries to precompile a lot of the shaders, but there'll be still be some when they first come up, you'll get a frame hit. It'll look weird for a second and then it'll come in and then it'll play normally. Yeah. But it's um, it's real hard because these solutions that work on one platform aren't necessarily implemented other places. And the either the trade off is downloading precompiled ones on your Steam Deck every 11 seconds or. <laughs> Which is not wrong. Every time I turn that thing on, it's every downloading. Every time it, it's just. Yep. 600 games grabbing their Seems, new uh, shader I, compilations. I want my Steam to just do that on on my PC. Like, I, it mm-hmm. doesn't. That's the that's why I have to wait for the shaders to compile. Every it's time I run weird game. they've got it implemented on the Steam Deck and not on the Linux client. You're it might, it must wrong. be a client difference. Uh, or just be, use yeah. GeForce Now and stream everything off of somebody else's computer. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or not. You could also not do that is an option yeah. it still freaks me out that that's a major option these days well i mean for people who don't have beefy yeah, computers no, for sure that is but it, good internet it's but good internet yeah exactly um yeah yeah so speaking of proton hey well, I would say not to not to be confused with the gaming <laughs> uh, many, gaming interface dear dear tech everything there's too many things called proton one wow, of those such a things. Cool word. You know what? It is a cool word. And here's I just I'm just realizing this now. So Valve releases a thing called the Steam Deck when there was already a thing called the Stream Deck. Stream Deck. Thank yes. you, Valve. Yeah. And they. I don't know what. No, actually, I do know what. Proton Mail, the company Proton. Came mm-hmm. first, and then the Proton, the fork of the, wine, came after the that. Swiss Swiss email company, but the Swiss email slash everything else company, um, Proton. This is this blew my mind when I read it. I could, I, I literally had to like stop and read it twice because this just doesn't happen. Proton Pass, which is the which is Proton Mail's um, password manager that they relatively recently launched as a it's like mm-hmm. a competitor for things like you know uh, LastPass or One Password that kind of thing. Um, yep. They uh, they launched their thing. It got quite good response, and because they got a good response, they lowered. The price. They lowered the price because, and, and there's a whole blog post from Proton about this where they say, well, we're at, it's an economy of scale. We, mm-hmm. we hit a point where because enough people signed up, we can now go to this tier. We can offer this at a better price to the average customer. So current and new customers of Proton Pass are literally they cut the cost in half for the annual fee. On, but there's ads now. No, there's nothing. It, it's Proton. There's, there's, there's got to no, be ads now. That's how this works. There's no ads. The, there's no. And they they mentioned this in their blog post that the reason that they could do this, and this is really poignant to everything that's going on in tech right now. The reason that they could do this is because they don't have shareholders. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're just a, pri- a privately owned company, much like Valve, and they can make the decisions. So when they hit an economy of scale, they can legally pass those savings 
to the consumer, whereas a company that is publicly owned and is owned by shareholders or is run by shareholders is legally obliged to maximize profits. Therefore, they can't legally do stuff like this. Whereas, but they only can borrow your password sometimes. <laughs> only sometimes, yeah. The only time I've had this happen was when Tech Savvy won a bunch of uh, legal uh, wins against the big three for reselling, and right. they had to lower their prices. And Tech Savvy dropped the price of my internet by about twenty bucks, right? Because it was cheaper for them to buy or to get the the data from Bell, and uh, so they actually dropped it. And then all the big three went to the courts and fought it and repealed it. And then my my, my internet went back up. Sure. But they were they were ready to uh, charge you know, me less. Do you know why they did that? Because they are literally legally obligated to do that. Yep. That's the problem yep. with. I mean, they, we're going to get into the weeds on capitalism here, and let's let's mm-hmm. solve all of the world's problems all in one go. No, but the, Eat pro- the rich. Yeah. Well, yes, because the. I mean, the problem is literally legally because of the way the system works. If if a company, if a publicly traded company does not prioritize maximizing shareholder profits they are under under a legal obligation to do that and if they don't do that they can be sued right that is the problem that's why we're getting all these layoffs that's why everything is the trend of initiativeification is strictly because of this whole shareholder maximizing profits thing yeah and so it doesn't matter what the customer thinks or or how we respond to it. If it maximizes profits, they are legally obliged to do it. That's the problem. So any shitty thing they can think of is is allowable and not only allowable, it is like required. <laughs> right. That's yeah. that's the problem. So. Thank God there are a few things like Proton that exist. Kudos to Proton Pass and Proton the compatibility layer. Yes, exactly. All Protons are good all the time. We should really look into that before we put out a blanket statement. (laughs) We probably should. You're not wrong. I'm sure there's a bad Proton out there. There is probably bad Proton. every, Every now and then. Look, you know what? Fuck those neutrons. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem protons where it's at ne- neutrons neutrons are centrists that's the problem and, right there and and electrons swing between them <laughs> that's exactly it <sighs> well now that i've had my my furious political rant for some reason um, the, the get get it out of your system for the week it's probably good to, to do that i think i probably need another drink so we're gonna take another break unless anyone got anything else we no, we we've got a, uh, a turgid pixels and tokens coming up. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I found the limit. Andrew drops the call. Okay, we're gonna take an actual break because I'm at a drink, and we are going to be right back with pixels and tokens. <laughs> Video games, board games, video games, tabletop role-playing games, video games. And now for Pixels and Tokens, where we talk about all kinds of gaming, but mostly video games. 
Although apparently soon we may not be just talking about video games because Discord. I saw the I saw the post. Thank you, Leia. Shout out to Leia on the Discord. Um, Discworld is getting a new tabletop RPG. So and also a board game too. Is it a board game too? No, they're 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 doing a TTRPG, a tabletop first, and there's also supposed to be a board game as okay. well. Okay, why not an escape room while they're at it? <laughs> You know, how to how to get out of where would you escape from in Discworld? I I got the patricians uh, dungeons. That's yep yep. You're good. You did it. Thanks in one. That was really <laughs> fast too. Wow, impressive. Okay, <sighs> welcome to Pixels and Tokens, where we talk about gaming and as the Oracle has said, mostly video games, and that's pretty much all we got again this week. But. So video games and video game related news. There's there's been there's been a few video games, um, mm-hmm. and oh, among God, there's been a couple among those videos. Surprisingly, so in in another year or two, there will be no video games <laughs> because they've all been canceled. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. right now there are some new video games, and one of those new video games is one that we have actually mentioned briefly before, although we probably don't remember it in our discussion on Diablo three. We were talking about Diablo likes, and I had mentioned the last epoch. Which wow! Really? I didn't realize it was that long ago. It was that long ago. I, last epoch. So okay, y'all, y'all know if you're even remotely interested in ARPGs, new ARPG is on the market, and it is Last Epoch from whose developer I really should have written down before I... It's not Nexon, is it? No. no. Uh, Let me me search this. It is 11th Hour Games. 11th Hour Games. Thank you very much. I knew that, and then I forgot. Um, 11th Hour Games, Last Epoch. It's been in early access for a very long time, and I I bought it in early access like over a year ago, at least Mm. over a year ago. Um, And so I've been playing it off and on. It's interesting. So I'm not, I don't want to review Last Epoch because there's a thousand other, like you used to go listen to any other podcast and you can like hear a review of Last Epoch. It is very much a Diablo-like. Um, and that's pretty much all you need to say about that. However, I think what the more interesting conversation about Last Epoch is, is about how it's being perceived and presented and received um, among quote unquote capital G gamers. And it's kind of a weird story. Um, so I don't know for sure that this was the developer's original intention. Um, I think it's not impossible that it was at least slightly their intention, but for better or for worse, last epoch has come to be thought of amongst a certain type of gamer as like the not Blizzard Diablo. If you hate Blizzard, if you love Diablo, but you fucking hate Blizzard and think that Blizzard, uh, when, 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 when Diablo 3 was released and it seemed like the biggest betrayal in the world and fuck Blizzard forever, Diablo 2 was the best game ever made. This is the game that has come to take up the sword and and slay the demon of Blizzard because this is the game that will listen to you, the player. And it's 
it's weird. <laughs> it's, be- it's become this like this weird mantle of like this is the game that will save the genre, right? Hmm. And I, I, you know, since Diablo three was my number five game of all time. I'm kind of in a weird position when it comes to like judging this kind of thing because whew, um, Diablo 3, as we know, launched in a very poor state. Yes. Because of the cash shop. There were a lot of bad choices. And don't get me wrong, Blizzard as a company has made some very shitty choices, even beyond them being just a toxic work environment. Like that's a whole other subject and, and one worthy of discussion. But. The thing that we're talking about is not that. We are talking about, like, the guy who got up at BlizzCon, right? And it's like, is this yep. a joke? When, when, with the, and he's, he, he was hailed as some kind of hero of the community, right? A literal Robin Hood. Yeah, and it's like, my first reaction was, you entitled little shit. What do you know about game development? You know nothing. Like this is the this is the problem. It is very much a redditor's game, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I don't necessarily know that that's what the developers intended. But what they intended kind of doesn't matter at this point because that's how it's, it's being received, and that's the communication. It's been adopted by the toxic yeah. masculinity crowd. It really kind of has, and that's unfortunate because at its core. It is a very um, competent one of those. I was about to say, is it a competent uh, ARPG? It is a very, it is, it is, it's fun. It is a good game. It is genuinely fun to play, particularly if you like the Diablo likes, as you know, I do. So I feel like I'm in a position to be able to sort of say, yeah, this is a good one of those. And it is a good one of those. Um, I like a lot of their ideas. I like a lot of what they're doing with this. Um, but I'm not, I don't like the messaging around it. That's, that's the problem. And so there's a real kind of hesitation. Mm. And part of the hesitation is now they're a relatively small developer. They have about 74, I think, people working there, which isn't tiny, but it's mm-hmm. it's not like Blizzard level, whatever. So, you know, there isn't the degree of polish that you you might expect in a game like this, right? You can, yeah. you can tell that this was made by a smaller team that has less resources. And there's As a lot of... by its 16 years in uh, early access. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one of the things. I remember when they, um, they eventually took money from Tencent. Tencent Ooh. actually invested a bunch of money in this. And that was a big big controversy uh, in the quote-unquote community because while they're 10 cents, they're going to like be, you know, in shitifying it and, and causing all kinds of microtransactions and stuff. <clears throat> and this is one of the things that, that kind of gives me pause about the narrative around it is they, you know, the, the, the toxic masculinity crowd goes after Blizzard because, oh, Blizzard has filled Diablo 4 with microtransactions not strictly true. The entire game is available to be played. It's it's all just cosmetics that are that are microtransaction-y. So what? You know, now yeah, yeah some of them are a bit expensive, but it it's, you, you want a fancy horse, okay, buy your fancy yeah, horse. Yeah, go nuts. There you go. I mean I 
I'm okay-ish with that. Like, I, it's just a cosmetic. Like, it's not. If they had a gone the loot box route, I could see people exactly. having a, like, stand on. Yeah, there's no loot boxes. There's nothing. That, so I don't, I hate to seem like I'm defending Blizzard because I'm really not. Blizzard's mm-hmm. a lot of shitty things. And I still don't like a lot of their, like, the way they push the shop in Diablo 4 and that kind of thing. But I'm also like, well, let's be honest about this. Like the the reaction, for example, and I mean, we can't talk about Last Epoch without talking about Diablo and the current state of Diablo, which is Diablo 4. Mm-hmm. Um, the, when, when the horse bundle got released, right? And people were freaking out because it was a horse that cost more than the game. And it's like, well, no. It was it was a bundle that unfortunately included a horse and a shitload of the currency that you used on the store that was worth the 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 equivalent of more than what you would pay for that currency. It was actually kind of a good deal if you were interested in getting that currency, which you don't have to be, but people because it was presented as oh here's a horse <laughs> right people ever since the fucking horse armor in what was it morrowind <laughs> no it was uh obsidian um i think it was God. morrowind i'm pretty sure Obl- it was, oblivion. It was, it was one yeah oblivion, oblivion that was it. The one that's after it. yeah 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 um ever since the fucking horse armor in oblivion people have lost their minds every time money and horse become because yes like are, are intertwined anyway i got bad news for y'all the kentucky derby exists and they've been doing it long before video games uh, i wasn't sure honestly if i thought last epoch was a was a, a free-to-play game i didn't mm. realize it was a buy me and play me game nope it was the buy me and play me and here's to me the grand irony of that is there's a cash shop in last epoch and it's all cosmetics that's good which is exactly the same as diablo 4 so So i mean the deluxe edition comes with a hundred epoch points yep you were the chosen one (laughs) it sure does you know whatever Um, that means it it looks like just from the screenshots, it looks kind of like a more cartoony Path of Exile with a um, upgrade tree that doesn't make me want to die. So yeah, because every that, time that I, is... every time I go into Path of Exile, I look at that <laughs> thing and I'm like, oh god. So there are, there are three there are three now three big kind of players in this field, right? There's Diablo, of course. Mm-hmm. There's Path of Exile, and now there's Last Epoch. Um, Last Epoch is kind of trying to ride the middle ground between Diablo and Last er, or in Path of Exile. Path of Exile, yeah. like, is you need to be a psychopath. <laughs> to, to I, be I at, went at Last Epoch before the last season of Diablo Four came out. Suits and I went back to Path of Exile, and I played to like eighty nine or something like that yeah. in it. I just fell right off of it because I'm like, oh, I gotta find like 16 points to to put in this giant mess of a map. That's the problem because they've, they've so intentionally made it like the, that passive tree unbelievably complex and difficult. And you literally can bork your build and not get Mm -hmm. out of it. That's, that's the real problem with path of exile. They have made an intentionally elitist gamer, right? 
So, but the um, the class system in Last Epoch looks very much like Path of Exile. Like you start off as the yeah. witch, and then you can go from the witch into necromancer by choosing certain paths and become the, the, this character is now a necromancer and summons yeah. a bunch of the, they have a primalist. And now, and like with, with with Last Epoch, every skill has its own tree of passives mm. that you can like add points into and stuff like that. But it's all relatively easy to understand. And so far for me, and I'm not following any build guides. I haven't. I like my my main is handling everything no problem, and I am just kind of feeling it out. I'm just kind of going with what I feel like playing, and it's is fine. it a rogue? Um, no, it's not. It actually it's natural. <gasps> This is actually, believe it or not, this is the origin of Beverly the Necromancer. Beverly the Necromancer oh, really? was my very first character in the in the early access of Path or of um, Last Epoch. That's where Beverly wow. comes from. And the reason that it was Beverly the Necromancer was because I I just went, oh okay, they got a Necro, great, I'll play Necro, and I created the Necro, and it's like this looks like somebody I would have hung out with in the eighties who was named Beverly. <laughs> right. So that's the origin of Beverly the Necromancer. So that's fair. So I'm playing Beverly the Necromancer again in in, in Last Epoch. Um and it's it's genuinely fun to play. Now in terms of review, there are some some rough edges that still kind of irk me a little bit and mm-hmm. take me out of the game. And that's one of the things. It's like I can't I can't get into quite the flow state that I do with a Diablo. And it is really a polished thing, and that is entirely about the scale of the company that made it, right? Just so, for the record, the beta trailer and release date announcement was April twelfth, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a while. It's been, it's been a bit. Um, yeah, well, that was the thing, right? The one point got released finally, and everyone celebrated. And it's still it's it's such an interesting thing, but like things like. They're my biggest complaint, and I hate to be this guy because, like, I know it's a small company and they have very limited resources, even with the 10 cent money. Like, believe it or not, folks, 10 cent money doesn't go as far as you think it goes. Like, it really doesn't. But things like their audio processing, like their audio effects are really kind of weak and they don't have the impact that, that I would want in a game like that. And I am, and this is one of the, one of the funny things that last epoch has made me appreciate about Diablo four, particularly in other Diablos is like how much audio matters in a game like this is surprising. And I never yeah. really oh. kind of realized it, but it's like, if you don't have really, really impactful audio that affects the gameplay experience a lot. And I was surprised by how much, because this is just kind of, it feels a bit weak. It, it's it's mm-hmm. not, the, the audio effects are there, but they're not very impactful it's, and good and, and heavy, right? That's not a problem Blizzard's ever had. They've always had very good audio for that's, their, uh, that's exactly their RPGs. <clears throat> and like, they have something more iconic than the gold drop sound. Well, that's it. Exactly. And the fact that they're still using, you know, like a lot of the original effects in Diablo 4, mm-hmm. Diablo 4 is like a, a testament to how good their audio processing has always been. Um, but like their animation is kind of odd in that it does feel a little rough. And I'm, of course, mm-hmm. like there's funny things like when you're running in Last Epoch. And I know about this because this has happened to me when I have done animation. 
I have done animation where a character is walking along the ground, but it looks like their feet are floating. Like it doesn't look like the, the, the pace and the way that their feet are hitting the ground aren't matching up. So they kind of yeah, look so like they're. That's how Guild Wars 2 looked, I remember. Yeah. Back in the day. Um, it, it looks like that. <laughs> right? And it, it feels like they animated everything at a, a kind of normal rate and then they just tweaked it to like 1.25%. So everything feels really fast. But but unrealistically or unnaturally fast. It just feels like everything's moving in fast motion. So you don't want to hear the Benny Hill theme, you know, yakety sax going like all the time as I'm playing this thing. It's so hyper. There's a weird hyperness to the animation that doesn't feel natural. And that's one of the things in a Diablo like is you want to hit that flow state, right? You want to hit that the the murder fugue that we always talk about. Yep. And you can kind of get there, but it always kind of takes me out when I have the, the less impactful audio and the, the weird, goofy, speedy animations just, just take me out of it. Now, what I will say for it, however, that is a point in its favor and not in Diablo 4's favor is it's easy to do a really good face roll build. Like that, you don't even have to think about it. You could just go and just murder everything, and and you don't have to follow a build guide. You don't have to like. You can just kind of feel it out and suss it out. And you can you can because of the way the gear works, you can really max out the stuff that you care about, and you can make the build that you want without having this particular unique or or anything like that. You can just do the thing you want to do. That's cool. I like that a lot. Um, whereas in Diablo four until possibly the next patch, we'll see, um, that is not the case. You have to get a very specific, unique and follow a very specific build guide. And there is one build that is the best build. And that is just the way it works. Right. Mm. That's not the yeah. case in, in last epoch. Um, so that's good. I like that a lot. I like it enough that I haven't hit end game yet. I'm still working through the campaign, which is surprisingly long. It turns out, yep. um, but I do want to see it through to end game because that's when like dungeons open up and that's when you just do the, the regular sort of dungeon grind type thing. Um, and I am going to stick with it at least until that and see what that is. Because as we know, with these games, end game is where the real game begins. So yeah, that's so right. That's I haven't hit that yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm seeing determined to on. I'm seeing on Steam that the uh, all-time reviews were mostly positive, but the recent reviews, obviously since launch, are currently mixed. Well, they're mixed so because the they had is... serious capacity problems. They sure. the server was down yeah. a lot. Uh, now, to to their credit, and this is another one of the things that kind of feeds into the whole anti-Blizzard thing. They have two different offline modes, right? They've got a they've got an offline mode that you can pick. That is just it's your your character doesn't connect to the server, but your your chat is still there. You can still connect to the sort of global chat that is going on. And there is also a full offline mode where it doesn't talk to any server at all ever. And that's something obviously you can't do with Diablo. Um, and that's that's one of the things that like the you know the anti Blizzard crowd is really holding up is like oh look at this this is a great you can play this offline completely you can play D three offline. That's on the true. Switch, right? Yeah. yeah. 
So at um, least there was that. But still, yeah, it's 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 you the can't new play hotness. Before offline. It's, That's the, it's you nice know. to have. It's nice to have the competition at the very least. You it know? really is, and I'm I'm they're they're holding Blizzard's feet to the fire. I am rooting for them. I think I think yeah. they've got a good foundation here, and I hope they build on it. I would like to see. I'd be interested to see what Last Epoch 2 <laughs> looks like. Yeah. I think Last and Epoch 1 is a really good start, but I, Last Epoch 2, I think, is where they're going to find their feet. I mean, do they have a roadmap? Or are they planning on the seasonal content like Diablo? They are. It is. Yeah, they already have seasons. That's already a thing. I can't remember what they call them, the cycles or something like that. But, yeah, the seasons are already a thing. Um, and so, yeah, you can play fully online. And fully online is obviously the way most people this is the irony of the whole anti-offline or anti-online crowd is most people play online even when it's voluntary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's the thing. And that's why everybody on Steam was giving bad reviews because their servers were overloaded and crashed constantly and nobody could get to their online characters. And of course, all of the characters online, offline are separate. So... You couldn't play your online character for most of launch weekend, and so they got Steam bombed. How's the narrative? I couldn't tell you because honestly, it's incomprehensible. It is. Okay. A, it is absolute gibberish. And to hear, I, I'm sorry to feel like I'm ragging on this, but this really is what it feels like. It's like reading somebody's fan fiction of a thing that you have absolutely no familiarity with right Mm. so it's like they're throwing out names and characters and concepts and places and ideas that i have no idea what this is or why this is important but they say it like you should already know what it's what and i so i have no freaking clue what's going i know that you travel in time and there are these weird time rifts and stuff and that's pretty much it I got no clue. It's a Diablo. You go and you kill the monsters. You kill the monsters and you get the treasure. That's that's the game, right? Everything mm. else is just window dressing around that. That is yeah, one of the things so they that created will, the world, but it, you you don't have to. Uh, you don't get invested in the character. Yeah, no, it's it's very very high minded. It's very very sort of conceptual and like they really try to lean into a thing that's like, we're doing unconventional monsters. We're not doing, you know, goblins and trolls and stuff. We're doing like weird snake people with four arms and, and antennas and also bugs. And it's just, it's, they're trying to be different and God bless them for that. But sometimes you could try a little too hard. <laughs> right? There's a little, there's a little bit of try hard, I think happening in this game, but that's okay. I'm glad it's there. So there we go. That's those are my thoughts on the last epoch. I've done a lot of talking. I should like to not talk for a while. Jamie. Hi. Hey, why don't you talk about Bellatro? Of Bellatro. which we watched a little bit before the podcast recording, and I still have no idea what's going on. I, I played them a hand just to kind of uh, warm them up to what I'm going to be fusing about. So my life has been consumed by Bellatro, which is <laughs> Latin for jester or Greek for jester. That was my and first question. It's a hard-building roguelike where you have to build a deck of standard playing cards to play the best poker hands you can possibly play to defeat the evil blinds. Um, 
blind is a poker term. Um, somebody has to be the big blind and the little blind every hand. Some They put in more chips. Um, so the blinds are the evil parts. So there's the little blind that you, you fight first on a, uh, uh, a series, the big blind, and then the boss blind. And the boss blind has special attributes. Um, like you cannot repeat hands this round against the boss blind. So if you play two, two pair next time you get cards, you can't play two pair. You have to play something else. Um, all right. So, what so you, far. So what you do is they throw you into the game and you have to play the little blind to start off and you don't have any modifiers. You just have a regular hand, deck of cards and you make two pair, a flush, a straight, uh, whatever you can make out of the cards and play them, and each uh, each card scores chips based on its face value. Uh, kings, queens, jacks score 10, ace scores 11, uh, and then 10 through 2 score their face value. Um, and there's a multiplier that gets applied based on the hand. If it's a more difficult hand to do, like a straight flush where you everything is suited, um, then it's worth more, the bigger multiplier. Whereas, like, a single pair has a very low multiplier or even high card. If you're really desperate, you can just play a high card and get some points that way. Um, then you go to the store, and the store is where the game blows wide open. Uh, you can buy jokers, which will modify your hand that you're playing, like the cards you play. It can add more multipliers. It can destroy cards, but also make... The multiplier it gives go up. Uh, it can duplicate cards into your deck. So you have now this unwieldy deck of like aces. Uh, I've been watching a lot of people uh, who play this online and there are some crazy things you can get going with uh, jokers. You can also buy tarot cards and what they do is change how your deck behaves. So you, you you'll choose one. And in your hand, you'll have a bunch of cards, and it can destroy some cards. So say you want to get rid of some low cards. You don't like threes, twos, fours. You can destroy those cards of, that are in your hand. And now your deck is a little smaller, but all it does is contain higher scoring cards. So you're more likely to see those. Or you can add multipliers to them. Or... Um, Make them gold cards, which if you keep them in your hand when the uh, the the hand is done, like if you haven't played them, they give you more gold to buy stuff in the store. There's all kinds of status effects you can put on your cards, all kinds of uh, um, different hands you can play. Like uh, it's the only poker game where you can play a five of a kind uh, because you can have... 36 aces in your deck. You can play um, a five of a kind straight because you could have 36 ace of spades in your deck and just go to town. It's all about what jokers the game gives you because that's where you get a lot of your score multiplier and about um, how you upgrade your hands. There's a joker that can do it or there are what are called planet cards. Um, So like a, a Mars will let you upgrade four of a kind uh, and that gives you more chips base and more multiplier. And it's all about trying to balance these things out. I played 321 hands of this game before <laughs> I won a single round. Wow. And it was all just basically feeling it out. And then it slowly comes to you. Like losing it isn't, isn't a problem because you unlock stuff the more you play. The more jokers you play, you buy, 
you'll unlock other jokers and you'll b- unlock other cards. So the next time you play, you can play a different thing and then work on that. Um, there's also different base decks that give you different starting stats. Like your base um, deck will give you uh, an extra hand, which is how many times you can play before you, you run out of turns and you lose. Um, and there's ones that give you extra discards. So if you're more, I want to throw away cards to try to get the best possible hands, you get more discards. It is so deep with just it using sounds, the- It sounds like a nightmare for whoever like decided that they were going to like they did present this to a programmer and they went what <laughs> how about i tell you that a single canadian made this game wow one person has been I'll working on single. that um <laughs> it's crazy and he uh, he wasn't even really basing it on uh poker it was um I can't remember the name. It's a, a similar got, game. Kind of like weird. Rummy, like, it sounds like Rummy Cube. No, it's um like math uh, two up or something, right? Like yeah, it's uh, it's called Two Up, and I think that was the name of the game that he was basing on. But it uses isn't that poker an Australian hands. thing, isn't that like the something? Australian Two Up? It's like a, a game you play with pennies and. I don't. I don't know. I, he he's, he's gone on record in interviews saying it's not based technically on poker but it's based on a game that uses poker hands in a different way all right um but it is it's insane that one person has made these he did all the graphics he did the he, he i think he's he got the music from someplace else like he, he contracted <laughs> somebody to do that sure yeah but it's crazy and it's so deep and the people that are they're really working on this like the, the the guy himself says you know i i half the time i can't beat the boss blinds uh, but there are people scoring um, hundreds of millions of points with these extremely broken builds. Um, I was watching a Canadian streamer, Northern Lion, who streams a lot of this, and he was getting six and seven million per play on one of his decks. Like, it's crazy how things can just come together. And you got to kind of pivot. Like, some of the jokers you'll have will be like, oh, you get extra multipliers if you play two-pair. So you start off playing a lot of two-pair, but then you kind of stagnate. You're not getting as much much going, and you've got to be able to pivot and, and change your strategy based on what you get to try to get through the, I think it's eight levels. Like, there's eight different pairs of th- or, uh, three blinds that you have to beat to, to, to win. Right. And it's just... They're talking about making a, uh, a mobile version of it, which will end me completely if I can just pull this out <laughs> on my phone and play this. Um, it's out on everything. Steam, Xbox, PlayStation, Switch. It's, I think, $18 on Steam. Right. $18.99 Canadian. Um, and it's just crazy how much is there. If you're willing to put some time into it, like one of the hands I just saw on the screenshots he has a hand of seven cards and it is all threes. So <laughs> it's crazy what you can, you can make these decks do um, like an 80 card deck and 67 of the cards are sp- uh, of aces. So you're really working on four and five of a kind at that point. It's a lot of fun. And it, it's a great time waster too. Cause you can, you can stop after any hand and it will save that and you can just come back to it. Right. Works great on the deck. Um, it's deck verified and it's just such a fun little game that just somebody came up with and it's, it's nuts. It's incredible that it still costs $200 million to develop. <laughs> yeah. No, he had to go to 10 set twice. 
<laughs> That's it. It's, it's full of full. It's bloated with Tencent. Eleven money. years. Um, uh, so it sounds like you haven't had much time for Helldivers too. I'm segueing. I'm segueing. Not, but I was uh, keeping an eye because my uh, my news feed has gone all Helldivers too from the number <laughs> of things that I was searching on it. Yeah. Um, and they before last weekend, the the first weekend they were out, they they completely redlined the servers and no one, barely, barely anyone, could get into it. This last weekend, they upped up. Graded their servers so they could let about seven hundred thousand people in, and I don't. I the, there was no reports of people having to queue. So they right. actually had had solved it, but uh, it's a, an amazing problem for this small Swedish team I have to heard have. Nothing but good things about this game, and I have looked into it, and I know for sure it is not a game for me. So I'm not. Yeah, I'm not getting it. But I'm glad fair. that it's, it's got definitely hot shit. It's got it's got the it's got the good buzz. Yeah, and and it's got a, a ton of people playing it. Uh, a lot of streamers that I watch have really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's fantastic how uh, how they've they've had to pivot. Uh, it, it turns out that they've got one guy. All he does is basically DM the live service game on how I the saw, other races are attacking. That like the real yeah. is actually like a live DM working yes. on this stuff. Uh, on how how they're attacking and what planets they're going after, so that's really neat that they're that's they're not very just cool. One guy's job is just to 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 make the live service happen, and like the bugs attack these planets and the robots attack these planets. Not not to make this all about me, but that was actually kind of what playing EverQuest back in the day was like because they had live D, live GMs who were in yeah, the yeah. game and like playing NPCs and stuff, and it was like That's, that was the special stuff when you when you hit one of those moments. That was really cool. And the fact that they're doing that with this game is like, that's, that's super cool. That's, that's awesome. It's amazing. Uh, um, it's it's so, been a good month for games. It, it really mm-hmm. kind of has. Like I, I go through these phases where I'm playing games and when I'm not playing games. And that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why Frankie play tends to fall off and then come back is because it's what I play games when I'm not playing games. I've been playing games. Uh, they've all yeah. been Diablo ish. In mm-hmm. in nature, but I've been playing games, so so yeah, games are games are okay. Turns out, but you know what's not okay? Segwaying again. We're, we're done with the good news. Is the welcome to the bad news block, everybody? We're gonna do this every time because there's lots of bad news among the bad newses this week. Sony extending the uh, the blood loss. Uh, another- yeah, well, uh, so a scrappy little indie startup called Sony. <laughs> laid Cutting off nine, 900 people nine from the PlayStation brand. 900 people are, are losing their jobs. They're closing an entire studio in London. Yep. Because I don't know, shareholders say to do it because fuck shareholders. I mean, they're only the top console. They're they're. You, you, how can you expect an underdog like that to survive? This just the, Lond- the London studio was responsible for SingStar, which uh, we had a lot of fun playing back in the day. Uh, in parties. Absolutely, but uh, I'm sure it was probably did well. I I don't know if it was still an ongoing thing. I mean, it feels like something that should have still been popular. I mean, it's just they basically laid karaoke, off but half of one of their other UK studios that did a lot of VR stuff, like they did the Horizon yeah. Into the West or whatever it was. 
um, half I of know, that Gorilla, studio Gorilla is Games, which is which is the Horizon developer, uh, got a lot of layoffs too. Um, um, and they're going to even umbrella like the even fact that the CEO, uh, Naughty Dog. Yeah, the CEO of Sony showed up at the London studio less than a week yeah. before he shut it down. Like, there's there's fuck. pictures of them getting everybody's taking pictures with the boss. And obviously at the time he knew, oh, y'all, you're going to be unemployed. This place looks subpar. Let's close it. This is this is my real problem with this whole thing is like if if any company that's big enough, right, there is no such thing as overhiring at that point. When you are big mm-hmm. enough to be a Sony or a Microsoft, there is no such thing. You can put all of those people to work doing something. Mm-hmm. And and it will be good, and it will be productive, and it will be uh, a benefit to everybody. But no, because the shareholders demand it, and because this is what the trend is currently. I mean, we all, everybody here lived through the '90s. We remember downsizing. That's the all this bubble. is. This this yeah. is but it just works. That. That's the problem. The, These no, motherfuckers are rewarded for it every time. I'm sure Sony's stock probably went up the day after they announced the well, fucking this layoffs. Well, this is the problem, right? It's it's because people talk about the quote unquote economy as if it's this blanket thing that benefits everybody. It yeah. does not. It only benefits a very very small number of people. So when the economy is doing great, and currently the economy is doing great. If you look at the actual numbers, the numbers are way up. And it's because of this bullshit. It doesn't mean that everybody's quality of life goes up. It used to mean that. It doesn't mean that anymore. And that's the problem, right? It's it's the wealth distribution. We're going to get into a whole... I'm going to fucking... I'm going to end up on a street corner shouting at people with a fucking bottle of whiskey in my hand at the end of this because that's where we're at. But yeah, no, this is... This is just the trend that we're on right now. So I'm yep. sorry to to say this, but yeah, Sony, fuck you, Sony. Fuck well, you, with, everybody who's doing this, because it's not necessary. With the layoffs, the VR studios, a lot of people are wondering if, if they're just killing off the PlayStation VR 2, like if they're so just not going to support it. This is the thing, is that, that not only are they not killing it off, they're, they're expanding the support. They have... Uh, dropped public hints that the PlayStation VR 2 is getting PC support. Really? Which is super good, and that's excellent, and I really want to see that because I I want a good PC headset that is not fucking Facebook-owned, okay? I really want that. I'm waiting for Valve's thing. Valve Mm -hmm. is, you know, being Valve. God bless them. Take your time. Do the thing right. But yeah, if if Sony does full like Steam VR support for the for the PlayStation 2 VR, I'm in. I'll get it mm-hmm. then because yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome. I I would absolutely love it. It's great hardware. That's the problem. It is genuinely a good product that is underutilized. Right. So so yeah, please do that. But who knows what their what their future is going to be like? The only major VR two title on the horizon is the Metro game, which looks re- really cool based on that first yeah. trailer. But uh, there's almost nothing else, and you know it was they they obviously didn't leverage the the London studio enough because I mean that little demo that they had on the first PSVR where they did the Gangs of London one, 
that was a lot of fun. It was yeah. a really cool little nugget, and where everybody was like, "Oh, this is great! Give us the game!" Yeah. And they just went, "Nah." <laughs> well, that's it, right? So, it's a very, know. it's a very Sony-ish decision, right? It's very mm-hmm. much like you got no clue what what like what will what will land. You're just making these like weird business decisions. Anyway, that's it's just it's very Sony. It's a very Sony yeah. thing to do. Um, in continuing bad news, Epic Games Ugh. apparently was hacked for 200 gigs of potential customer data. Yeah, so that was my data. I'm sorry. I, I bought a, I've, I've, they, they've been giving me so many of, free games. Yeah. I think mine was at least 150 gigs of that data. So <laughs> a known hacking group has put out a number of posts saying that they have this slug mm. of data from epic no one's at least when i added this they hadn't epic had owned up to actually being hacked um so it's unknown if it actually happened but these people have these this same group did a nissan sub brand like a month ago for a ton of data and that was legit so yeah. i don't think it's saber rattling um we're not sure if it's epic internal data, like is this stuff they're working on, is this employee data, or is this data from the store? Right. So it's a big question. It's, it, I guess, the second biggest PC game storefront. Yeah. And and to, to get bent over like that and potentially lose, hopefully, encrypted customer data, question mark? Because that's <laughs> better not significant. Be encrypted. Holy shit, epic. The number of places that it's just like, you know what? We uh, we kept everything in plain text. And then <laughs> the password hash thing. Gabe Newell is a boob. <laughs> and it was just on an open port. That's it. But yeah, it's a real problem. And, you know, everyone's uh, like, I don't have any uh, purchase information with Epic. I've just been claiming some of the free games. But <laughs> it's still. Bad. I probably should have. I think the only thing I bought was. Uh, cyberpunk it's the only money they've gotten from me even that should have gone to gog yeah i didn't buy it from uh from them i don't know why i think it was i think i got a coupon oh the coupon i know you're the sucker for a coupon you're you're getting the v bucks you're you're a whole Fortnite guy and you haven't told us that's right you got the banana costume uh, yeah, well, it, so that, and that is the problem. There's a ton of young people that are on the Epic Game Store for yep. Fortnite, and so um, Epic I'm Games hoping. is like so big. They're so yeah. big. It's it's scary how big they are. Like Tencent owns a, owns a huge chunk of them, and Disney just bought a, like a ten percent chunk of them. Yeah, there's going to be a whole lot of like Disney stuff in Fortnite. You know yeah. what? You give me some Muppet shit in Fortnite, I'll play fucking Fortnite. Frankie will play Fortnite. All Kermit right. running around with an AK-47. <laughs> Come on, give me a break. Animal <sighs> would go, though. Animal, Animal would go down absolutely. a tree. Nah, nah, we go, but that's the whole thing about Fortnite now, where it's, it's just like the IP dump. Right, it's just like it, where like everything just gets like landed in Fortnite. There's no coherence. It doesn't matter. I have several friends that are avid Fortnite players. They keep sending me pictures of new stuff that's in it. It's like, is this enough to get you into it? And I'm like, nah, nah, Star Wars <laughs> yeah. isn't enough to get me into it. I is this enough yeah, to get I, you into it? I can't imagine. You know, I would do it. I would do it for the Muppets and nothing else. That's it. That's, but that's you know, there's a line. 
What? To pull us out of this death spiral. Oh, Something no. like Star Wars has happened. There's good news, everybody. Good news, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had no... I, I did know this was happening, and then I yes. forgot. I, then, I knew they had announced it, and then promptly forgot about it. Dark Forces Remastered is out. So... I didn't write down the developer's name again. Uh, Jamie, go, go do Night some fact checking for me. It's Night I'll, Dive no, Studios. Night Dive Studios, that's it. Night Dive Studios, who I know has done a whole bunch of uh, classic first-person shooter remasters. It's yep. it's kind of their thing. It is their yep. thing. It, like they've done Rise of the Triad, they've done the Turok games, they've done System Shock 1 and 2. Blade Runner yep. enhanced. Yeah, they've done yep. a lot. Like they're they're the people for doing remasters. Did you like that shooter in the nineties? We made a new version of it. <laughs> yeah. Um they did Dark Forces. And let me tell you, it is genuinely good. Um I played a lot of Dark Forces in the day that it was released. Because that was really my thing back then. And of course, suddenly, oh, what? It's Doom meets Star Wars. What are you kidding me? One of the first mods I remember for Doom was like, oh, make the guys into stormtroopers. Yep. <laughs> right? yep. Suddenly, here it is for real. They're actually stormtroopers. And, and it was real good. Dark Forces broke some serious ground in that field. The the field of first-person shooters would not be what it is today without Dark Forces. And so... We were fact, spitballing on the Discord that I think it's the first uh, FPS with a voiced protagonist yep. in the cutscenes. It's definitely the first FPS or first-person like, first shooter that has like a um, um, goal-driven narrative during not just find the exit yeah it wasn't just find the exit it was like oh you have to do this thing then the goal-based objectives in the actual mission itself famously the first step first uh, um level you had to find the death star plans that that are referenced in (laughs) a new hope you know and suddenly it's like but rogue one wasn't like this hang on what what are you talking about um retcon yeah exactly not in canon good old kyle katarn and uh, jan ors and the moldy crow yes. that's the ship the, the ship was called the, ship the, is moldy, named the crow moldy crow yep because the designer whose name has escaped me i should have looked it up but the design because they asked the designer of the ship why did you call it the Moldy Crow? And he went, well, because like ships always have these cool names like the Millennium Falcon. And I wanted something that wasn't cool. So I called it the Moldy Crow. And that's, that's awesome. I love the Moldy Crow so much. Um, yeah. I so love it's It's really, really well done. I love that they went and re-rendered. A lot of the like the the dark trooper launch scene, they went and actually got the original files and re-rendered them out. It wasn't just an AI yeah. upscaling. There is a very good deep dive that Digital Foundry has done on mm-hmm. exactly what they've done with this remaster. It's not it is not a simple AI upscale thing like some people are saying it's not it's not insignificant the work no, that went they, into it they did a lot of work and, and the one complaint that i've seen i've seen i've unfortunately i looked at the steam community forums never mm. ever ever do that because you will always be, a mistake you will be mad at the end of that 
Um, people are complaining about the price. It's forty dollars Canadian. I don't know what it, that is in U.S. Probably seventy five cents. Well, but that seems like a lot. It's when you see the amount of work they did on this thing, it is not a lot. Um, they kept they kept the aesthetic. They kept the things that are important. So, like the music, for example, is still the MIDI iMuse system from the original yep. LucasArts game, and it is phenomenally good. Like this was one of the groundbreaking things was the fact that the music was interactive. The music mm-hmm. would react to what you were doing in the game. It was an action sequence. The music would turn into an action sequence music. If it wasn't, it wasn't. And that they even was, have the wavetable sampled version that you can play instead of the, the traditional yeah. uh, general media. Oh, there's oh. there's a toggle you can switch between yep. like the new the new high res graphics and the original and the original. Yeah. Yep. It's. It's so good. And it looks good. Like it genuinely looks, yes. it's, it's genuinely fun to play on a modern system. That is the remarkable accomplishment because I, as we know from previous discussions, am not a retro gamer. I'm, I'm, I lived through that era. I don't, I don't like pixel art. I don't care about retro games very much at all. Maybe if you, just for nostalgia's sake, Mm-hmm. This isn't that. This is genuinely fun to play. And yep. it is important from a historical perspective. And that's why I'm really glad this exists. I am genuinely having fun with this. And it is it is largely a nostalgia thing for me because I played so much of it. I'm literally going back and going muscle memory. Oh, I remember there's a secret here. You know, yes. there's like a panel here that I can open. I knew that. Um it plays really well with the controller, which it, of course, never did before. I mentioned nope. this on the Discord. It is very strange to have, because it plays with the controller, you've got an analog stick now, right? That was never a thing back in the day. We were playing with the with the arrow keys. That's yep. a digital input, right? That's either it's also this an early or that. game where you could look up. It yes. is. It is It is the first first-person shooter where you could it, look up and down. It's also the first first-person shooter that had rooms above other rooms. Yes. That in Doom, was, they had to have special areas where a a a trick of the rendering engine made it look like you're going upstairs, but really you were going flat. Yeah. And it went into a room in between other rooms. I have made maps in both Doom and Dark Forces. So mm-hmm. I, can, I can tell you for sure, yes, that is absolutely 100% what you were describing is true. Everything mm-hmm. in Doom is a is a trick. Everything in dark forces is it's still a bit of a trick, but it's, there are the engine was designed to do it. Yeah. It's crazy. That is the first time in a first person shooter that's been done. Mm -hmm. It's, it was a remarkable technical achievement. It is worth, uh, going back and looking at it because it's worth preserving. It is absolutely. And this is the other side of it. Yeah. It's expensive, but this is a piece of game preservation. And the fact that you can go back to the original graphics is important mm-hmm. because that means we have preserved the original game, right? Mm-hmm. The cost also leans into what Night Dive does. Yeah. Because I've, I've just been reading the wiki, and it's kind of fascinating. So the whole genesis of Night Dive Studios was the the uh, creator, the, the, the CEO, wanted to play System Shock on his netbook. And he had the CD and it wouldn't work. So he tried to figure out, he tried to find a way to get a, get a legit copy of it. And there was no way to get it. So he actually started the process of looking into it. And a, and a company had bought the rights to System Shock from EA. 
and asked him what he wanted to do with it. So that kickstarted the whole company, and that became, you know, they they launched uh, System Shock 2 on GOG and updated it and made sure it ran on modern platforms. And then, you know, going through their, their titles, that's all they've basically done is taken all these abandoned, abandonware titles and stuff that had been just left in the, in the, in the ditch and polished it up and made sure it worked on the new shit. And they've made a whole, uh, career out of it. And, 100%. You know, their, that is, their that system is shock so remake it. was, was, a, was a big deal. Um, uh, did they do system shock? Yep. No, yep. no, no, one and I, two. Yep. They've, they've redone system shock. No, no, I don't, I don't think they did that new version. I think that was a different the company. one that came out in 2023. It's there. It's Night Dive Studios, May 30th, 2023. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, they, that's right. They considered an original release. It's the first real game that they developed, even though it was still on the bones of the, of yeah, the original right. version. But, um, and then they've got System Shock 2 Enhanced Edition coming as well. Anyway, did, it's, it's. We were talking so they, about Rise of the Triad on the Discord. Yes. They did the remaster of Rise. I am seriously yep. considering getting the remaster of Rise of the Triad just, just to yeah. like go, what one, the fuck was that? <laughs> like, one of my best friends in college, his handle was Rot from Rise of the Triad. <laughs> so. Obviously, if you're going to do a Star Wars reboot. Then Daddy needs a taste, so they're going to have to pay up, yeah, and, no, and make I sure mean, that they can on. they can use that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's the main reason why it costs money because it's not an abandoned concept. It's it's friggin' Star Wars. My suspicion so, is that that one of the things that led up to them doing Dark Forces was all of these other reboots that mm-hmm. they did, or other remasters that they did, and they went, okay, we know how this works, we know what we're doing now, we know what what should be done and what shouldn't be done. Now we get to the big dog, right? So now, yeah. now it's time for dark. And again, forces. it's it, they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. I mean, the System Shock remake was a big deal, but you know, for most of these titles, it's just let's clean it up, make it make it run nice on the new hardware, make it run sixteen by nine, give it a decent resolution. Yep, and that's that's all people really need out of it. I and mean, it's I'm, great. I mean, there's a whole there's a market for that. I'm playing Dark Forces. In 4K at 120 hertz, like it's mm-hmm. mad. It's it's bonkers, and it's genuinely fun. That's the other thing. So yeah, that's kudos great. to to the team over there. Um, Dark now, Forces remastered. I'm not paying, I'm not paying 38.99 for Turok Three Shadow of Oblivion <laughs> remastered. Sorry guys, it's not gonna. You not know, gonna happen. good old Turok. Um, yeah, but anyway, there we are. Good news. Dark Forces remastered is out, and it's good. It's genuinely worth. Uh, uh, looking into so what I, toys for Bob is indie now. There's a note here I don't understand. What does that mean? Do you do you know what toys for Bob developed? In my it's in my brain somewhere. I don't know what that is. What is that? They did Star Control. They went from creating Star Control in Star Control Two to basically becoming. Uh, an asset flipper. They they were doing games like Disney's 102 Dalmatians for the PlayStation <laughs> and Madagascar and Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam for the Wii. And then they eventually stumbled into the Skylanders platform, okay. which was a big hit. That was the toy, the toy slash video game. And that was a big success for them. There we go. Yeah. And that was that was for Activision. Um, and then they were doing, you know, very similar to Night Dive. They did the up, upgraded version of the Crash Bandicoot trilogy and the Spyro Reignited trilogy, both of which were big hits. And then they made their own Crash Bandicoot game, Crash Bandicoot 4. And then Activision Blizzard, in their, in their desperate need to create content, uh, basically railroaded them into making fucking Call of Duty games. <laughs> 
Seriously. So you great, the great geniuses who brought guys. us. Yep. They brought you perfect. Star Control and Star Control 2, two of the greatest games of all time. Here, make Call of Duty. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fuck it. So they finally got a deal and got this? the hell out. They managed they managed to gain their independence nice. from from corporate daddy and uh they they had already lost some people uh in a in a calling in January and now they've said, "You know what? We're good." So they're they're spinning off and they're going independent. They're going to make their good. own goddamn games. So that yeah, I know it's, it's a big deal. Um, it's not in the show notes, but that seems to be a trend. Isn't Gearbox about to do the same thing? Yeah. Uh, the shit, shit for brains. Uh, what's that company's in in entombed? In, in uh, Embracer. That's the one. Those fuckers are <laughs> finally been, realizing they that embraced. they spent way, way too much money, and they're they're finally starting to get out. And the, and that gearbox thing was like it was like half a billion dollars yeah. that they're paying out to get to get out of that. It's it's nuts. But yeah, no, it it's starting to look like the the VC monsters are finally starting to uh, to back out of the. Of the Related industry. to Star Control. Oh. The original two guys who made Star Control, uh, the Urquan Masters, have started a, a group or a, a, a company called Pistol Shrimp, and they're putting out free stars, the Urquan Masters. So if you want to go back and play <laughs> the original Star Control uh, that has been brought forward and runs on modern uh, computers, uh, it's free on Steam. Yeah, we we discussed that a, a years ago now. I think where the, there was that whole fight between these guys from Toys for Bob and and the, the Aircon Masters the, guys, the, the two guys who created Star Control and Star Control Two, because Games for Bob did Star Control Three, and they the, the these two guys were like, nah, that's not our stuff. Uh, Star Control no. One and Two were. I think the it thing. was Toys, Toys for Bob did did One and Two, and it was the Three where they all went to shit. Uh, anyway. The, the two guys from Pistol Strip did uh, the original Urquan Masters. So what did these guys do? Anyway, oh, um, but it's but nice to can, see them go independent. Yeah, you can get them. You can get Urquan or free stars of the Urquan Masters for free, which I did. So I will go back and play that uh, again sometime. Support indie developers. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like the people who did Last Epoch to try and bring it around to. <laughs> Very first I, thing I we put that on my it. wish list. I'm, I'm interested to see. Uh, it's uh, yeah, no, it's it's interesting how it goes. Um, okay, are we good? Are we ready to, to do the final thing? Do you have yep. a drum roll? I I no, actually, I don't oh, have a drum roll on, on this. this uh, well, you know, pretend that I added one in. All right, here we go. Games we love. The series that is not our top five continues with me. I'm talking about a game I love, and I actually changed it up at the very last second because of the Dark Forces remaster. I was going to say, is it Dark Forces? It's not Dark Forces, but it is, in fact, related to Dark Forces. And <clears throat> this, I'm actually genuinely shocked didn't make any of our top five lists. It came very close to making my top five list. And that's why it's appropriate to talk about in this series. Because it is, of course, the thing that is very much not a lot to be said about because everything that could be said about this game has already been said about it. 1993's id Software Doom. <sighs> so, where do you even so, start? 
The reason it wasn't on my list is because two and a half D gave me migraines. I remember that. That's that. That is a thing, and that is a very interesting thing. So, oh boy, um, where to start? Nineteen ninety three was a fateful year for for not quite young Kevin, <laughs> um, because that was the year I got my first modern computer. Mm-hmm. I spent a few years without a computer because of unemployment, etc. Um, so the late 80s, early 90s, I didn't have a computer at all. And then I got enough money to get together to get a computer. So I got a DX266 mm-hmm. in 1993. 46. Or 46, sorry. Yeah, 46, yeah, 46 DX266. Yep. In 1993. And at the time I was in the store buying it. I looked to my side and there was a computer running the shareware version of Doom. And I couldn't believe my eyes. I did not comprehend what was happening on that screen. I didn't think that was possible because look at this. It's a, it's, there's a running in a 3d. It's, it's a whole world. And yeah. So that started a whole thing. I got I got the I got the computer home, of course, immediately. I I, I there was no internet <laughs> then. So I in some way acquired the shareware version of Doom. How do I get Doom? <laughs> and boy did I play a lot of Doom. And Doom, of course, I mean, what can you even say about it at this point? It it wasn't the first first-person shooter. I'm not even sure what is qualified as the first first-person shooter. It's not Wolfenstein. I don't even think Wolfenstein 3D isn't the first first-person shooter. It's uh, close. It's the first one of consequence. Yeah, it was the uh, yeah. first one that went big. I, the guy at a computer store that we frequented handed me the the, the demo on a single 1.44 meg floppy disk. I didn't have a I didn't even have a sound card. All I had was PC speakers, so I'd hear the door go. <laughs> <laughs> I, on the other hand, had a uh, Pro Audio Spectrum 16 when I played Doom. Oh, and I will, and that was in stereo. We had so a, the Pro idea, Audio like you, as well. I remember walking into the to the room, seeing the key card, picking up the key card, and the lights go out and hear <laughs> coming from all around you, <laughs> and I nearly shit my pants. So that was my introduction to stereo gaming. <laughs> that well, that was the thing, right? Like Doom. Doom was the first first-person shooter that really kind of created an atmosphere like yeah. that, right? Like it, it, like Wolfenstein was a tech demo largely. It proved that you could do this kind of thing. Doom really took that to the next level. And don't Wolfenstein was id, right? Or it was id related in some way? I'm I'm pretty sure it was. Wolfenstein was by id software. Um, yeah, when they went, when they got to Doom and it's like, when I eventually found out how Doom was actually, actually worked, I was astonished because it takes such inventiveness to, to take a 2D map and it is still 2D and Mm -hmm. and render it in a way that it feels like a 3D environment. That was the, the brilliance of it. And the things like techniques we still use today, like skyboxes. (laughs) <laughs> for example, that was created for Doom like that. And it is such a, a groundbreaking thing. 
And if you look at like my top five list, right, there is a consistency there. And among those consistencies is it's a world. It is a, a whole world that you can inhabit. And Doom was the first time, I think, possibly like Microsoft Flight Simulator kind of felt like this a bit in that, oh, wait, there's a world out there that exists beyond me. Right. That was the thing that I had never felt before was that the world I am in is not dependent on me. It's not a narrative that was written for my character. It exists and I am just moving through it. And that was the thing that Doom really kind of brought home was like, oh, look, these things are just here and you have to deal with them. They don't give a shit about you. They all mm-hmm. exist whether you exist or not. Right. And they'll fight with each other too. Well, that, yeah, exactly. Um, that was the thing that was remarkable to me. And the fact that you can move through it and then, and then move back in real time. Right. That yep. was the other thing. It was like you can exist in all dimensions at all times. And these things will react as, as if that were the case. That was the thing for me that Doom did. And the fact that it was a shooter was kind of secondary. It was like, I was never, I'm, I'm still not like a gun guy, right? Like I'm not, I don't care about shooting. I don't care about like the whole toxic masculinity thing that is very much wrapped up in what the doom thing is. But mm-hmm. it was the fact that it is a world and it is the, the kind of the hyper reality of it um, was really kind of unique and special. And I think that was, uh, a real groundbreaking moment for me. And it showed me the possibility of what could be. And that is not small. <laughs> like, that's they, something we're they, still experiencing today. You know, ID lucked out in that they had some really good map makers before map making was a thing. Yep. And like John Romero and Sandy Peterson and a bunch of these guys just knocked out these levels that, while they may not be super complicated, they were really good at funneling you where you needed to go and having just the right amount of uh, enemies around. It was inventive in a way that you didn't yeah. see. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Bless you. But yeah, so that that was that's the thing. Like uh, in terms of like really opening my mind to to the possibility of what a video game could be the fact that you could exist in a fully realized fully 3d rendered world mm-hmm. doom was the first time that i felt that and and so that's that's it that's why did, doom was important i did a little poking oh. and the first fps it really depends on how broad you want to make fps sure um, there was something in the seventies made by a couple of students, uh, at NASA called maze war, but it never was released. All right. Um, that actually rings a bell. So in the 1980s, battle zone came out by oh, Atari. Of oh, of course. Um, battle zone. I played a lot of battle zone. Yeah. But the first, like from a human perspective <laughs> with a hand in front of you yeah. was catacombs 3d by ID software. All right. From yes. 1991. I never played it, but yeah, I remember that came. Yeah, it was, it, that was the that was the test. It ground. was it was the prototype of three, Wolfenstein Three. Was what they, the game they used to prototype the engine they used on Wolfenstein 3D? Yeah, uh, so that uh, was kind of the first 
your eyes with a hand in front right of a first person shooter remember the shovelware fucking doom games do you remember the checks doom clone that they included with boxes (laughs) of cereals that was was actually decent but i mean like those shovelware collections where they just threw a shit ton of wads on a cd-rom called the ultra doom collection (laughs) this one has the barney collection where all you do is kill barney we totally checked all of these and made sure they worked so many careers were built on the existence of just making maps in doom Mm -hmm. unfucking believable like it's the entire industry as it exists is kind of built on the foundation of doom like it's it's kind of wild the influence that 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 game had well, and everyone ended up chasing it, trying to get that yeah. uh, that same kind of payday. And we're still doing it. Like, it's still yeah. a thing. Like, it, that's yeah. that's the remarkable thing. The legacy of Doom continues. That's the wild thing, is that it's not... It's not a retro thing. It is still... It is still a vital and and living thing. The um, recent... The Bethesda Doom has been extremely successful. You know oh, what? yeah. That's, Doom 2016 and the Doom Eternal... I like, was shocked at how good Doom 2016 was. Like the fact that they they managed to do you know a first person shooter in 2016, and it actually kept the spirit of the original it Doom. Captured the speed of Doom. Yeah, because ca- Doom was very fast. Like the Doom guy was like jacked. He was he was a sprinter. That's um, the thing is, I'm playing Dark Forces. I'm kind of realizing like. The speed you start at is your walking speed. You can actually toggle on the running speed. And it's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is this? This is so fast. I can't actually move. Like, it, Listen, it's Kyle Katarn later was revealed to be a force user. It's so true. He, he might he be force sprinting. It's true. Yes. Spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler for a game that came out before <laughs> some of our listeners Look, were born. Someone's going to mm. get mad. You know, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, the, the the recent Doom remakes are extremely worthy for yeah. the, the not really complicating things. Um, they, they add some fun upgrades. Like, the, uh, I think Eternal has, like, a grappling hook that really makes getting to monsters to kill them very Gotta messily. Grapple. Uh, very nice. Yeah. Um, but they've, they've kept a lot of the core of what made... Because, like, Doom... I remember Doom three the one that was really dark yeah that most people had to mod in a a, a gun light because otherwise you either <laughs> had your flashlight or a gun because well, doom 3 was basically a horror game it was like it, it was. wasn't it wasn't really a first person shooter it was just like a uh it, it was, was resident closer. evil in yeah, space exactly it was resident yeah. evil um but i mean they they kind of lost the the thread after doom 2 and these these um were they machine games that did uh the dooms i don't remember I know the machine games did the Wolfenstein redone, yeah. which were also extremely good. But the, the the new Dooms are well worth getting on sale. They are. They really are. They're good. So there we go. That is it. I think. Are we done? Are we good? Are we. I, I believe so. I think we we've, are, we've said fact, everything. We've, we've added, gone to the list. While we were talking, because we're remote, I was able to add Free Stars, the Urkon Masters, to my Steam library <laughs> because it is, in fact, free. There we go. It's, and, it is it is Paul Ritchie, Paul yep. Ritchie, and uh, and his associate who are part of uh, Toys for Bob. Still. Toys for Bob. So they're 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 supposedly working on another Star Control game. Toys so. for Bob and or not not Star Control. Gearbox, Free Star. Whatever the hell they're going to call mean, it. Free Star. 
fuck Randy Pitchford. Let's, Pitch get, let's all anyway. get it dependent. <laughs> fuck the corporate. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's indie now. All right. That will do it for us for another week. Thank you, everybody. OperationPuppet.com, of course, for all of the links. As usual, thank you, JB. Thank you, Andrew. Have a great one and play Bellatro. <laughs> play Bellatro and play Doom and play Dark Forces. I don't yes. care if it's 40 bucks. Buy Dark Forces. They deserve it. Anyway, thank you, everyone. And we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Pixels and Puppets, the Operation Puppet podcast. Visit www.operationpuppet.com for all our links. Tell your friends, give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts, and join us again because nothing is more entertaining than aging nerds giving their opinions on the internet. <laughs>